Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrency production is exclusively for informational purposes. everybody to another episode of Cryptocurrents Aftershock. I'm your host, Stephen Miller, and I'm always joined by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how we doing? What's up, everybody? Doing all right. Uh, you know, we're almost at the end of May, Memorial Day uh, next uh, Monday, so I'm sure everybody's excited for that. But man, it has been a uh, it has been an interesting start to the world of crypto uh, for 2022. So, you know, starting down in a downward trend, might be safe to say that we've entered bear market territory. So dealing with that and, you know, to everybody who's in their first bear market, welcome. Uh, you know, it, it happens and uh, it, it can always get worse. Just remember that. But what we're here to do is to let you know about how it's going to get better um, and things that you can be doing right now to be maximizing on this downward trend. So whenever it does reverse course, uh, you can be very happy about all the decisions that you've made during this time. But that's currently where I'm at, man. How how are you feeling today? I gotta tell you, dude, I've been thinking a lot about the old phrase from traditional finance of sell in May and go away. And it's really hard to sell in May and go away when everything looks like crap. So <laughs> I'm sitting here just kind of like simmering in it, letting myself think more and more about like what my thesis is, what my strategy is going forward. But we're gonna get into that and a whole lot more on this show. This show is, of course, the aftershock. And for those of you that are not totally familiar, with CryptoCurrent, we are your connection to all things Web3. Whether that's thought leaders or the information that's shaping the space, we've got you covered, whether it's a bear or a bull market. So that's who we are. We would love to get to know you. Let us know a little bit about you in the comments. Why don't you? So um, we're going to forge on ahead. We do this show both on all the podcast platforms that you prefer, as well as here on YouTube. So if you want to come out and see a little bit more of a visual example of what CryptoCurrent's Aftershock is, join us over on YouTube. But today, we are here to talk about some of the news, get you caught up on what's going on in the world of Web3. And we do that with the Aftershock. So let's dive right into it. The Aftershock. So a whole lot to cover here today on the Aftershock. And we like to jump things off with our Web3 lightning rounds. This is where we're going to break down most of the news surrounding crypto at large, whether that's regulation, um, corporations diving in, or otherwise. So let's start out with Meta you know, the company that was formerly known as Facebook. They officially have announced they've trademarked their logo for crypto tokens and virtual exchanges. Richard, I read this as Meta wants a token real, real bad and is going to continue to lose money because no one wants to buy Meta's token real, real bad. What do you think? <laughs> they're just shipping away, man. They're just taking... You know, uh, how does water get through a mountain? Persistence, right? Just chipping away one drop at a time. They keep 
persisting on to try to make a token a reality. And I think they're going to find a way. Look, you can think that all you want, man. But like the truth is, is that I think right now Meta is not persisting about anything. Meta is trademarking their logo for every single use. I feel like last week it was microwaves. Next week it'll be toaster <laughs> ovens. Like it just, it keeps going on and on. And we don't need that in the metaverse. So I guess time will tell on what really comes from Meta. But that's the piece of news there on Meta's recent development. But let's talk Coinbase. Coinbase had some really interesting news in the last week. So the first piece here has to do with them launching a think tank to help shape global regulatory policies. What do you think about this? Do you think that like this is exactly what we need? Or is this an overreach? So regulatory policies are what's going to bring in large money. So when you think about institutional investors, they need regulatory policies in place to safely onboard and offboard on and off of these major exchanges. And right now, Coinbase, because they are a public traded uh, company, they IPO'd, they want to be the forerunners to help lead this charge. Also, just as a side note, uh, because they IPO'd and they decided to not be private anymore and go public, um, they have different pressures um, all the way around them. And one is that they have now quarterly numbers to be hitting. And unfortunately, they have been underperforming this year because who knew when the markets go down, people trade less, which means they get less fees, which means that uh, they don't hit the numbers and projections that they were hoping for. All that to say is that they want to be the exchange of choice and the exchange leading the charge um, that the SEC and these other big regulatory bodies can trust. Uh, and if they can be the go-to, that means that a lot of these countries, organizations, etc. will point people to Coinbase whenever they do want to enter the crypto space. So it's a, it's a smart choice on their side. And I, again, I know as, as much as people don't like regulatory policies, it helps to get more money in the door. I'm saying it honestly helps make mom and pop feel like they can actually get involved in crypto. So yeah. for those of you at home that may not be you know, in your 20s or Gen Z, or you may be a little bit older. The truth is that a lot of times in society, we like to see regulation and laws come into place to protect us from the government. Now, if you are notably anti-establishment like I am, uh, that's less the case. But I, be I do believe in what you're saying, Richard. I think that like right now, regulation is going to be the thing that drives adoption. So if I have to come off the gas a little bit on like... I hate the system type of ideology. Um, I'm still going to do that because I think that for the greater good, we have to have regulation. Yeah. So that's just the first story though from Coinbase. Our friends over at Coinbase also have announced that they're planning on allowing users to access Ethereum-based dApps. This is a much bigger deal than you'd think because right now there are 300 million global crypto investors. And at the current moment, 90% of them have yet to venture off of centralized exchanges. This is extremely interesting to me because if they're saying that all of these people are Coinbase users or this massive sum of people have just kept their investments on Coinbase, by having easier access to Web3 decentralized applications, more people are going to use Coinbase to get into the rest of Web3. There's only one problem with this theory. They've already tested it, right? Because you've just had the release of Coinbase NFT in the last three months. Mm -hmm. Actually, less than that. About a month. 
And the adoption of Coinbase NFT has been, let's just say, less than good. Terrible. So when I put this in front of you and I, I tell you this news that ETH-based dApps are coming to Coinbase or Coinbase is bringing users to ETH-based dApps, do you think this is a tremendous opportunity or do you think that this is just something that is going to fly by the wayside over time? They're in a bear market. Things just don't get the credit that they should. And which, you know, really is inopportune. When Coinbase NFT launched, it was during a very bearish times in just the NFT space. And uh, when you look at these other Ethereum-based dApps that are coming during a bear market, people aren't going to care because people are going to be a little bit more uh, stingy with where the money flows. For example, uh, when you look at bearish times, uh, Bitcoin dominance typically picks up and you start to see Ethereum um, start to lessen as well. Are, are a lot of these uh, other dApps and other layer twos that are built on top of Ethereum, they start to trade out of it and get more into ETH. So you're starting to see people really start to get more into ETH, get more into Bitcoin. So from a ultimately, like getting into some of these projects early while the price is lower and uh, a really good price entry, it could be very substantial for people who get in early. Um, and you're going to be like, oh man, you're a genius because you got in at X price, whatever. So I see it as opportunity. But for Coinbase itself, they're going to see, I think they're going to keep seeing a little bit more pain. I mean, look, you have plenty of people out there that'll tell you that right now, when you're in a bearish time, it's typically the best time to be building. So maybe this is meant to be read as Coinbase is still very much so in build mode and they have a bigger picture in mind. So I might, I might be more tempted to take that path and understand it for that sort of, that sort of narrative. But again, I think time will tell us. So let's forge forward. Our next story, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, says that the ETH merge to ETH 2.0 is still on track for summer of 2022. Richard is our most notable um, critic of Ethereum and Vitalik Buterin. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think that we're finally going to see it happen. Um, I personally believe that we've had more develop, developer commentary excuse me, around this exact topic over the course of the last couple months. We've started to see more core devs actually speaking out. Now, Richard, you know that plenty of developers out there are very in introverted people who don't typically like to speak out. Is that not a sign that we may actually be seeing ETH 2.0 on the horizon? Or are you still just as skeptical as always? Man, you ever heard the old antidote of the boy who cried wolf? Well, there's a whole lot of boys crying wolf as it relates to the ETH merger happening. And do I want this to happen? Absolutely. Like, I let it be known. I'm a, I love ETH. I think ETH is amazing. And I think it has a lot of potential. Um, however, do I think that it's on track to finish summer of 2022? I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, look, as much as you may think that it's not going to happen, I, I kind of equally think that you're never going to say the right word when you mean to say the right word. Because 100%, you were teeing up anecdote and it came out antidote. So That's look, right. for, for, forever forward, we're going to have to remember that Richard believes that Vitalik Buterin is basically the boy who cried ETH 2.0 in that antidote. In that antidote, baby. God, and yes. I want to give you so much crap, like all the time. <laughs> yes. 
God, man. All right, let's move on to the next story so that I can get this off my chest. Do Kwan, Luna, maybe you've heard of them. We've talked about them for three weeks. Um, it feels like it is never ending, right? We keep, bring, we keep bringing up Luna week after week. And the truth is, is that it's just a lot more messed up than we all than we thought about the prior week or the week prior to that. Um, turns out that Do Kwan in his most recent statement said that he wants to fork Luna's blockchain to make Terra Classic. This would effectively allow Terra to go forward and it would drop UST, um, whereas the old chain would just kind of go on and do its own thing. But what's super problematic about this is that across the last week, we've also seen a number of videos resurface about Do Kwan discussing a Terra kill switch. So this all happens at the very same time that more news starts circulating that they dissolved the Terra Foundation in the days prior to Luna's crash. So we're starting to get into real conspiracy territory here, right? This is starting to go beyond just the transcendence of news. This is real talk conspiracy time. But you still have a lot more legitimate news going on behind the scenes. So like the G7 Financial Stability Board, which is a global organization of countries and financial experts, have come together to speed up crypto regulation just because of this. And authorities in South Korea have also launched emergency investigations into local centralized exchanges in South Korea. It just like the madness just keeps going. South Korean investors are set to sue Do Kwan for fraud. Like, it, it really just is this massive story at this point that's taken on its own life. Do we need to keep talking about this, Richard? Or is like this just, quote unquote, the end of Luna and we need to move on? Yeah, it's over, uh, unfortunately. I mean, but you are starting to see, like, like we talked about earlier, about global regulatory policies. The US, London, European countries, and South Korea are already starting to put in uh, discussions around regula regulations uh, as it relates to crypto and, and stable coins. Uh, when you see 41 billion with a B of, of value destroyed in a month, uh, people pay attention and uh, something needs to be done and things are being done. And so putting to bed and uh, it, it, it's so bad. Coinbase is actually delisting uh, wrapped Luna. So you can't even get Loon off their, off their program. So, uh, and that's, that actually goes live uh, this Friday. Uh, so May 20, I believe it's the 27th of 2022, you will no longer be able to buy and sell uh, Wrapped Luna. Uh, so. That's just crazy to me. Like we were all so hyped maybe like a month and a half ago when they listed Wrapped Luna. And now it's just, it's destroyed. But yeah. it's okay, Coinbase fans, because now you can buy Flow on Coinbase. That happened this past week. We don't have that in our main um, you know, rundown here, but I personally think that Flow's blockchain is really cool and maybe the future of NFTs. Who knows? But let's move on from dough pressing news and get into our final piece of Web3 news on the week. And that is the three major fashion brands, Balenciaga, Tag Hauer, and Hublot, are all announcing that they will be accepting crypto payments. This also comes on the heels of Hublot announcing that they are planning on utilizing Hublot.eth into the future. So all three have big ambitions for being Web3 relevant. And I personally am very excited about it. Uh, but let's go ahead and carry on because I think that we have a lot more to cover as it relates to last week in the metaverse. 
First of which is Lens Protocol. We brought it up on the show a couple months back that the founders of Aave announced it. But they've officially launched Lens Protocol as of this past week, which is going to be the official NFT decentralized social protocol of the future on Polygon. Richard, what do you think about decentralized social media? Is that the path forward for society or are we just going to be stuck in Elon's Twitter? <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of resistance going from Web 2 to Web 3 as it relates to social media just because of ease of use and the ability to be onboarded into this space. I think it's going to take time for people to adapt and move over. However, I think that decentralized social media is inevitable. It's the next step. It's the next phase. I just think it's going to take time. And look, I think the decentralized content is the next real evolution for Web 2 to Web 3. Um, for far too long, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a presentation this evening on it about how you have platforms that are supposed to be creator platforms, right? That's the definition of what they are. That are just paying their creators such an egregiously low sum of money for the content that they produce. And they can pull the rug on them at any time, right? Mm -hmm. YouTube YouTube cancels crypto channels left and right for no reason whatsoever. Um, That's not to say they're not canceling channels that deserve to be canceled that are just shilling content... I'm sorry, shilling coins and rug pulling listeners. But that power should not necessarily be in the hands of a Web2 company, right? Web3 is already enabling creators on an insane scale. Um, so we can cover that at a different time if you're more interested in, let, in that information. Let us know and we'll do a separate video. But I think that decon and decentralized social media is probably going to be a massive revolution. Um, it's just more a matter of when at this point. We'll have to see how it develops. But in other news from the Metaverse this past week, Universal Music Group has announced that they will allow artists to drop NFTs on LimeWire's Web3 marketplace that is just opened up on Algorand. Now, Algorand is another um, Web3 ecosystem like Ethereum, but a lot of people like it for, um, let's just say, efficiency reasons, because Ethereum is still very slow and has a lot of gas issues. Algorand is very much so willing to take risks. And I think that by allowing LimeWire to restart its brand over on the Algorand chain is really interesting on its own, right? We heard about this a couple of months back because, of course, LimeWire was, um, let's just say, the Napster of the 2000s. Yes. And like, that's the truth. Like, I'm, I'm pretty confident <clears throat> that um, friends of ours, Richard, clearly never us because we would never dare, you know, pirate music or download videos illegally. But of course not. I mean, all of those degenerate human beings out there who just steal music from artists, that's what they did. And LimeWire got shut down for it. So now LimeWire coming back. Music, videos, pictures, all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the very first place that you could truly torrent music or torrent content at large. Yeah. So it's interesting that they're coming back. But what's even more interesting is the Universal Music Group, a really formalized um, agency, is willing to get behind it and support it yeah. after likely suing so many people that have downloaded their artist music through LimeWire in the past. But yeah. I guess that's another story for a different day, right? And just to speak to that, Universal's like two of their biggest artists right now are Kendrick Lamar and, um, and Taylor Swift. So, I mean, they have some big names out there and they're, they're doing things in place actually to start having some NFT 
type things that uh, their artists can use. So uh, it's it's cool to see them being very uh, metaverse NFT forward thinking. But again, it's also interesting that they're partnering with uh, LimeWire of, of all things. So yeah, I'm excited to see how this rebrand uh, works out. Yep. So definitely check that out. Go make yourself an Algorand wallet and check out LimeWire where you can get perfectly legal um, NFTs now. That's fun. <laughs> Anyway, our next story um, comes from Spotify. So one of those content creator platforms of Web2, Web2's past that is known for underpaying and undercompensating artists is testing a new feature that will allow those artists to promote NFTs on their public profiles. I personally am really excited to see how that rolls out because I think that NFT music is just getting started. I think we're going to start seeing more and more artists pour into NFTs in their own unique ways. And this is the first major endorsement of that outside of the agency landscape. But what do you think of it? Spotify's trying to keep up. Um, as far as... When I, what's, what excites me about Web3 and the NFT space and the metaverse and everything else like this is that you're seeing that Web2 is trying to get in front of it. They, they see that it's inevitable. They see that this is where the market is headed. and when you see enough Web2 corporations start to pick up on these things, no one wants to be last. So you've had a lot of the big players. So you have uh, Facebook slash Meta, Instagram, Twitter, all these places where you can start uh, utilizing uh, NFT profile uh, pictures. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if LinkedIn eventually joins the, the program. So just, just a matter of time. If there's any one player out there that I want not to get involved in NFTs, it's LinkedIn. <laughs> Mark my words. I'm calling it now. It's just a matter of time. Dude, like think about that for two seconds. Like LinkedIn is the most irrelevant content platform in the world. Like I'm pretty sure MySpace is still more relevant than LinkedIn at this point. <laughs> so if we're going to see NFTs go to LinkedIn, I mean, that may spell the death of NFTs. Or it could be capturing another place where uh, boomers and um, even all older millennials start to be like, oh, okay, well, if it's on LinkedIn, it's even more legitimized. And they start buying more. Look, man, maybe that's the optimist point of view, but I also think it may be the, um, the psychotic person's point of view. So let's go ahead, <laughs> let's go ahead and um, again, move on to our next story. Um, speaking of platforms that old people love, eBay is launching an NFT collection with One of NFT. Um, One of is a really interesting group, and I'm surprised that they've partnered with eBay on this. But I think that you're going to see some really interesting content come out of eBay because they actually are aware that they're screwed if they don't start adopting NFTs because they see a lot of their marketplace like just evaporating over time into digital collectibles, and they want to capitalize on that because they already sell so much. Bit like physical goods that are collectibles. Um, so I'm fascinated by this piece. I look forward to seeing how it develops. But let's move into this next piece Deviant Art. Richard, are you familiar with Deviant Art? I am now, thanks to my uh, main man over here, Steve. So Deviant Art, and this is, more, I more so know this because all through like high school and middle school, I was big into graphic design, loved, loved, loved going up to DeviantArt and like whether that was to contribute like my own graphics that I designed or to just appreciate and kind of pull inspiration from others, DeviantArt was a great landing space. 
But DeviantArt has decided they're going to start to stick their foot into the race by releasing some NFT protection tools to their users. Now, what's very cool about this is it's a very complex tool on like on the inside, if you will, because what it's doing is it's alerting IP owners of infringement. So if you have a picture or graphic up on DeviantArt's site and it ends up getting minted into an NFT, but it's still your work and you have not authorized it, DeviantArt's tool will notify you of infringement on the fact that that is your property. So it's really cool, but I think it's probably the first type of tool that we're going to see of that kind. It's really focused on image recognition across the web. Um, so I'm just curious, like, have you seen any other tools out there that are meant to help people with like, you know, controlling their own intellectual property? Or is this really no. the first that you've seen? This is one of the first I've seen that's actively pursuing this. And that's why I think this is huge news. Um, I'm curious of how it's going to, the algorithm or whatever's going to work to flag that because this is a, this is a big issue, right? Like, you know, how easy it is to put up an image on the internet and then like it easily gets uncredited to the person who originally made it, especially as it relates to like even memes. So like having this to where you can do it for NFTs, that's awesome. What was that? There was another platform a while ago and like, I can't, I don't know why I can't remember it, but a good friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, David Samuel would always send me stuff, like just photos from this one site where it would just be different memes and stuff. And I can't remember the name of the site. But I could only imagine... It was like one of the biggest photo sites, like meme sites out there. I could only imagine if they had implemented something like this on that content, we would see so much less infringed upon like meme artwork. No, it's not Giphy. I'm going to have to find it later. But um, it was known as one of like the go-to places for just bulk content, whether it was just like memes or infographics. Like they had everything. So yeah. I'll take a look into that later. But I think that if they were, if DeviantArt's jumping in, players like that, like the real big databases of graphic art, need to be thinking about this. So I think this is going to put a lot of pressure on the industry. And I hope that we see a lot more progressive moves being made. So speaking of progressive players, Moonbirds, you may have heard of them. They flew to about a 30 ETH floor in a matter of moments. They've officially conducted their second airdrop now of what they call oddities. And that it is a collaboration with the artist Gremlin, who you may or may not know um, for their, um, what is it? It's the Toads, right? Yeah. Yeah, that NFT group. So Gremlin is a digital artist who's really focused on the 8-bit style um, of doing Moonbirds style artwork. And the, these oddities were airdropped to holders as a placeholder and will be revealed in July, but they automatically went to a three ETH floor. So this kind of brings up a topic that I wanted to get into with you today. And that is now that we're in the bear market, do you think that like all these new projects are just going to slow down and wait for the next bull? And we're just going to see the new meta become air, like airdrop season and free mints because there have been a number of really, really insanely successful free mints across the last week including plays like Goblin Town, um, which creepy is all hell to me. But <laughs> talk to me about it. What do you think is actually going to happen here? When bears happen, it's time to build. So 
I feel like there's going to be a lot of projects who are consistently building and going to keep dropping value to to their from to their holders. You think about this, Moonbirds again just dropped about a month ago and went immediately to the 30th floor, which that's insane. Uh current value right now is what uh 60,000 something like that. Um off top. So right now even with a, a 3 ETH floor, that means you just got airdropped $6,000. Like imagine being in a place where you can send all of the people who bought something for you $6,000 worth of value. Like the those are the projects that people want to be involved in. Those are the ones that people want to keep finding a way to be in those ecosystems. So to your question, I think that it is going to be a time where there's going to be a lot less newer projects that hit the market. They're going to wait until things start turning a little bit more bullish. And then I think as soon as you start to see a little bit of bullishness back in the market and money flowing back in, you're going to see so many NFTs just drop. Because as money flows and people feel times are hotter, people are more excited and willing to spend money. But unfortunately, when you're in bearish times, people get a little tighter with their money. People get a lot tighter with how they allocate their resources and they only want to go after blue chips and less risky NFTs, if that's even a thing, right? Because like NFTs are already extremely risky. So like, <laughs> can you imagine? Like to, to call a, a, a NFT like a blue chip NFT, like that's hard. So like, yeah. We can spend hours on that topic alone. I was going to say, so we have this five-hour-long podcast episode that's up, that's upcoming, <laughs> where we're just going to talk about that entire concept over and over and over again. And you can look forward to that. Of course, I'm kidding on that one. We're only going to spend three hours on it. So <laughs> this whole idea of creating value like Moonbirds is, is not new, right? Like We've seen this out of Board API Club. We've seen this out of um, the Doodles most recently. It ain't new. It's just going to continue. But I think that the free mint opportunity is what's going to take over across the next couple of months. And it's because people want to offer some sort of sympathy, right? The, the entire reason why there is a Goblin Town NFT in the first place is because there's this idea that like when the markets crash, it's that they're falling down into Goblin Town. That's like the saying as people use it. And then you also have this other piece that came out called Wrecked Guy. Like all of these pieces are going to be symbols of the bear market and symbols of we stayed, we still believe we're going to make it, and there's still money to be made here despite it looking like trash, right? Across the last two days since Goblin Town has been out, they've done 3.2,000, sorry, wait. Yeah, 3.2K in ETH in terms of volume. That's more than any other collection. Yeah. So to understand, like you know, what is it that people really want is they want to be entertained. Um, it, like that's the real truth. Like Goblin Town isn't just like another PFP project. Like they're doing stuff, right? They actually are a very cryptic project. They're doing um, different giveaways. They have an airdrop planned of their own. Like it, it doesn't mean that it's over just because the markets look very, very bad and ETH is breaking below two thousand again as we speak. That really doesn't matter. It's where can you still find opportunity? And opportunity still is out there. You just have to be willing to go after it. So that's my rant. I'm going to stick to it. But let's talk about this final story in last week in the metaverse before we wrap this episode up. GameStop. You may have heard of them. 
They're the favorite stock ticker of 2021 and 2022. Not really 2022. Not really too. Anyway, they officially launched a uh, Ethereum wallet for NFTs and cryptocurrencies. This, of course, is something we knew that was coming. I guess we're, we should be happy about it. I don't know. What do you think? It's fitting that GameStop's trying to do something new. Like, they're literally retail stores that have physical games. And you go in there for the experience of being able to meet other people, geek out on games, and like talk about things. So, how do you capture the new age? Oh, that's right. You go to Web3 and you try to get people on NFTs. I'm talking, man, mass adoption for crypto is going to come in the form of NFTs. Like, in, people understand NFTs, they're getting involved in it, they're putting in money. They don't necessarily trust crypto, but they're like, oh, I'm going to get this NFT thing. And how many corporations have to join before it's like, okay, like this is, this is the crypto entry point. Like, this is where the masses are going to converge. So that they then like start to evaluate and look at other stuff. So GameStop's jumping on the train. I don't know that I'd ever get a GameStop wallet or get NFTs from the GameStop ecosystem. But hey, you know, like there's a lot of people who are diehard GameStop fans, and maybe this is how they get introduced to crypto. So I'm for it. So a lot of things come to mind here. And like the the big question to me is like, okay, well. Does this mean that AMC is going to be venturing into like mass-produced, you know, crypto assets, and that's going to be the next game there, and they're just going to become like a crypto bank? Because like that just to me sounds like the funniest next thing to happen. But what I think is funnier is that like this entire episode has been recorded. You're listening to this now at home. I'm going to play this back, this exact five-minute interval back, for probably the next two to three weeks on repeat, day after day, because folks, Richard just admitted. It's something I said maybe eight or nine or actually probably close to 10 months ago now is absolutely coming true. And that's that NFTs are going to be the gateway to mass adoption. I cannot believe those words just came out of your mouth. You called it. Keep on nodding. Everybody give a slow clap. I don't know if y'all can hear this. I'm, I'm doing a slow buddy. clap for, oh, for Steve man. right now. It feels good. It feels good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, look. That's going to wrap up the aftershock for this week. But before we go, uh, Richard, why don't you tell the folks at home what's coming up on the interviews? Um, absolutely. So uh, we just had a really cool interview with uh, Dexio Protocol that happened uh, this past week, and they're doing a really cool uh, game launch pad where basically you can go on, download this app, and if you've ever done like Pokemon Go. Imagine being able to do that, but instead of capturing Pokemon, you're capturing different crypto. That's right. You are capturing crypto. So you might go get some Polygon, some ETH, some other stuff, and you're just finding it in the real world um, at different places where you can unlock these chests and other things. Um, so obviously, other things that you'd be able to do is uh, if you have like local businesses that are out there, be able to get like discount codes and other stuff like that. So really cool concept. I'm excited for that. And they are coming to consensus. So I will hopefully get to meet them and the team uh, whenever they arrive uh, here in just a a few short weeks. Uh, And then Friday, we have a really, 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 really cool and enjoyable conversation uh, where I got to sit down and have a conversation uh, with um, um, 
uh, Satio, which is um, a really cool um, consensus model. Uh, and they're like doing these things to scale these level one uh, or these layer one solutions where you're able to basically uh, go in and uh, have this fundamental scalability issue that ETH has. They're solving it and they're also helping to help these uh, DeFi protocols who don't necessarily uh, complete the loop to become sustainable. They have found a consensus protocol that essentially helps to alleviate that problem. So not only are you getting the value from underlying assets, but then you have a way to continue to uplift and have the price stability there. So really interesting. Like this dude was extremely sharp and smart. So uh, that and that was David with uh, Satio. So uh, make sure you go and check that one out as well. I was going to say, we promise to everyone at home that it will be a lot easier to understand what Richard just said when you tune into that interview. Um, man, dude. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to make this a, an episode of the Aftershock where I make fun of you, but man, dude. Uh, that was rough. It's been, it's been a day, dude. And I was trying to... Because, like, I was trying to remember all the different stuff. And I remember the reason it all came together at once was like, that's what I'm doing a lot of that conversation. It's just unpacking all of this knowledge being thrown at me and just unpacking it. It was, it's a lot. But again, when you check out that episode, it's going to make a lot more coherent sense, I promise. Um, but it is, is definitely a lot to take in. Yeah, look, for all the shit that I give you, um, proof, like different proof models and consensus mechanisms are extremely hard to understand. And it really does take somebody who, like, whether you're like Richard, who is pretty well versed in this space, it takes even us a lot of time to really be able to conceptualize and communicate what new consensus models are doing. Because it already took us as long as it has for us to understand stuff like proof of work, proof of stake, proof of authority, proof of space time, like you have on Solana. All of that stuff takes a lot of time to understand, but we're here to help you with that. We want to help you understand and stay connected to the world of Web3. That's what cryptocurrency is all about. So if you want to stay educated on these different concepts, you should definitely check out our Thursday Crypto Decrypted series with Chris K. That is a great place to start. But we also do our Twitter spaces every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time called Non-Fungible Thursdays. And while we do talk a lot about the metaverse and NFTs on that show, we do like to unpack bigger questions for our more beginner-based users. So please come on by and let us know if we can help you understand concepts a little bit better. But that's going to wrap up the Aftershock for this week. Um, final words on the week. Richard, do you have anything else for our audience before we go? Even though things might look grim right now and there's a lot of happening in the regular markets, just understand we've been here a lot of times in crypto and every time it looks, oh, it looked a lot worse than what it looks like right now. So even as things look grim, they look bleak, we have been in a much worse situation and have come out way better by the end of it all. So, you know, play the long game. That's going to be my gentle reminder for you today. Absolutely. Play the long game, like the video, like the show, make sure you leave a review. And of course, go back to the thing that I told you at the top of the show. It may actually look like um, sell in May and go away, but there was a time back in 2019 called DeFi Summer. I'm going to leave you with that thought. Maybe we're going to see some type of recovery and, and moving into DeFi Summer 2.0, the long overdue DeFi Summer 2.0. That's going to do it for us here at CryptoCurrent. We really appreciate you stopping by the show and hanging out with us. We'll see you next week for another after, Aftershock episode. 
Catch you next time. Stay cryptocurrent.